Well, welcome back to the Social World Podcast. The winter break's over, and we've got a fantastic lineup of different podcasts coming your way. And I'm starting today with Christina Gavitas, an old friend of the program, the children's author. Welcome, Christina. Hi. Yep. Nice. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Very busy, but good. Yes, and it's that busyness I want to talk about. <laughs> now, you are a very established children's author. You've done a lot of work, and you've certainly done a lot of work to do with safeguarding children. Mm. And you've specialised with your books and the work that you do in schools with primary school children mainly. I know that you have done other work with other ages, but I think today we're going to be talking mainly about the work that you've been doing in primary schools. Mm. Now, your most recent topics, if you like, have to do with grooming children, teaching them about grooming and teaching them about county lines. And the book, No More Knives, that you've got, that is one that you use as the basis for your kind of talks to children. How, mm. did, that, how did that all start? Because it, it, it wasn't something that you immediately kind of walked into. You know, obviously, you had to get interested in it in the first place. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Because I know you do a lot of work with the police and so forth, but just how did it come about in the beginning? So um, basically, um, I this started the work that I'm doing now. This started. I was I was approached by Humberside Police, a guy called Paul Wainwright, who had seen the work that I've been doing, educating children, um, but also with one of my other books, Shares and Secrets, that encourages children to speak out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a result of that, um, they had a funding pot left from their No More Nice project, and asked if I could possibly engage with children and young people on the topic of of knife crime. And when I started researching about knife crime, I realised that a lot of the time um, that drugs were involved as well. Um, So whilst I was encouraging the children and young people to write uh, poetry about uh, knife crime, I thought it would be a good idea to write a story and incorporate it all into one story that could be utilised afterwards um, as well to to try and educate children. And it's gone down well, I believe. Very well. Yeah, after that, it's the most rewarding work that I've actually ever done. Um, um, so I really do do and enjoy the work, yeah. Well, t- I tell you what, take us through a kind of, we've got time, a typical sort of invitation, right? You've, you've been invited to a school, um, primary school, and um, do you go with a police officer to kind of emphasize the multi-agency side of things or do you do it mainly on your own? How, how does it work? Okay, I have done some on my own um, because at the request of the school with other things um, uh, that I'm doing, but predominantly it's with the police. So basically um, the, the funding has come from um, the police and crime, respective police and crime commissioner's office in this case, um, Police and Crime Commissioner for Humberside and for North Yorkshire uh, Police and Fire and Crime Commissioner. So basically what we do is I go into a school with a a PCSO or a police officer. So we work together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so going to to the school, I introduce myself as as an author and that we're working together to help promote safer communities. And so I talk about being an author for, you know, for five five minutes or so so that they know where I'm coming from so and it kind of relaxes them this is these are the things that I write all my 
stories have an educational element. And this is this is my latest one. And so I then say to the children, um, before we leave today, we want you to understand what it means when someone's trying to groom you, mm-hmm. um, the dangers of taking drugs, the terminology county lines, what that means. Uh, some already know what it means, but some don't. And the consequences of picking up knives. So this is all incorporated into the story that I wrote. And um, what I do after that is I say, right, I tell them at the beginning what's going to happen. So after that, then we show them the animation, which is a No More Nice or County Lines story, mm-hmm. uh, which is about a group of friends who are groomed into County Lines. Yep. And then afterwards, we have a chat. We talk about it. Um, and then when it gets to probably the, the last 15 minutes of the session so that we know, I know that they've understood what we were trying to, to get across to them, we can construct a class poem together. Yeah, um, I didn't I know that. I, I didn't know, you know that part of it. Yeah. So yeah. I always say to the children, look, I'm, I'm not going to pick you out because as a child, I felt I was such an anxious, I was an anxious child. And when I went into any classroom, because I was quiet and never put my hand up, the teacher used to, I felt like she was picking on me. She was obviously trying to help, but it actually didn't help me. It made me mm. more anxious. Mm. So I always say to them straight away, I'm not going to pick you out. Um, if you want to take part, you put your hand up. So that takes the pressure off them immediately because it would have, that's how I would have uh, handled that. Mm-hmm. And so what I do, I usually start them off with a line or a couple of lines um, because the primary age children, the, the vocabulary is obviously less than a, in, a, in a secondary school. And then after that, so more often than not, they're all taking part then, wanting to write about it. And then we go through the story. So the poem is about what's happened in the story, relating it to the story. So then we know what we've understood. And it's mm-hmm. amazing the, um, the amount of information that they pick up. Uh, it's really because in the in the story the uh, characters um, meet at the cafe which is called Runners Cafe on County Street in Leeds, and uh, it, it's always astounds me to to know what they what they've actually picked up. But at that point, one of the characters gets stabbed, so it's a bit of a standout moment. So they're remembering more from that particular situation. So I think it's a, so it's a way of measuring, you know, how they've taken it on board whilst you're there. And then what I get them to do is I'll recite when we put something together, just an eight, just a 10 or 12 line poem that rhymes. And then we get, we recite it together. And then I was going to ask, yeah, sorry. I was going to ask you about that. Firstly, can I just, just stop you just for a sec there? Because you mentioned that the, 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 the one, the child that got stabbed, my understanding, both of reading your book and of, of, of seeing the animation and knowing you is that it's not your intention to shock. It's your intention to educate, uh, yes. if, if I've read it rightly. And, and therefore, that stabbing, if you like, is possibly the most shocking thing in the whole presentation. I mean, do you find that the children um, appreciate that, that you're not there to kind of make it a big drama but you really want to give them information and education and get them interested in the whole thing. Definitely. I mean, again, going back to my research. So what I put together there and they see is just, uh, it's a pinch of what they actually see on the TV and the internet. Mm. So it's not in that respect, it's not shocking. Um, I did so much research to, to make sure that I wasn't going to be shocking lots of children that, that this is going to be happening they see more on TV and on the internet than I put together in um, sure. my story. Yeah, yeah. So 
that that's first and foremost but also yeah they I I talk to them about that it's not I, I say to them we're not doing this to scare you we want you to understand um especially you know year six they're going up to secondary school they need to be forearmed is forewarned, you know, forearmed is forearmed. They need to know um, what they can be exposed to. And if we don't give them that information, they're going to be more vulnerable. They're going to be more open to these exploiters. And so it's just really important. I think primary schools have been overlooked. Um, it's far better and more about prevention. It's far better to educate from, from a young age, from when we, from when we can, than trying to pick up the pieces after when the damage has been done. No, um, I, get it. I understand. And so children of age, age 10 and 11 are not at all safe these days and are um, vulnerable uh, to an awful lot of um, approaches and activities and pressure from um, people that want to actually use them for all sorts of nefarious purposes. Exactly. Um, you know, I've been into lots of different areas no school would phase me anymore. I'm sure I could deal with any situation. I've been into lots of primary and secondary uh, and lots of different uh, pupils. Um, and it's, it's different in different areas. Some of the schools I go into, the teachers, one particular school said, we haven't told the parents that you're coming in today because they simply won't send the children to school, certain children, because the parents are criminals. Um, and then you get somewhere... Um, in some areas where the children are being used to transport drugs by the parents. So, it, you know, there's a, a, a real mm. a real difference in some of the areas that, that you go and you never know <clears throat> what you're going to encounter. But the, my main aim is to educate the children. What, it, what is happening and what is helping as well is that this is doing a few things. So it's not only educating the children, it's educating the teachers so the teachers don't understand what's going on or understand the terminology county lines, it's helping them. But also in each of the sessions, um, we give them a copy of the comic strip story to take home. And I say to them, show your parents, have a chat to your parents about it. Uh, you can watch the, the, the YouTube animation anytime you like, show them that. And that's helping to get that out into our communities. So it's helping to promote safer communities as well in the it's informing the parents what what's going on, so they know they know what's going on. Um, okay. So it, well, before we get into the impact of what you're doing, because I, I want to talk obviously about that, just say us a little bit about content more. I mean, for example, just a very quick idea about in case anybody listening is not aware of county lines and the sort of things that you actually talk about that you've extracted from your work. Do you want to say just a few things about sort of headlines about what the content might be? Okay, so the story starts with a um, group of children, Luke, Ellie, Siobhan, um, and they and Mo, they meet in the, the local park as they ordinarily do. They've never been involved in crime previously. They're just minding their own business. And then a guy called Steve comes up to them. Uh, for the purposes of the story, and I say this to the children because... Steve goes up to them and they all agree to go back to his flat. But I say to the children, would any of you have gone with Steve? And they say, uh, no. And I say, OK, we'll just rewind there. I said, for the purposes of the story, you only see Steve approach them once in the park. I said, Steve could have been going to the park for two weeks, befriending them. This is to get them to understand about being groomed. Mm -hmm. He's offering them money, watches, 
you know, this is what the groomers do. They'll offer you all these things. But also in the story, I use the word family a lot. So he he tells them that uh, they're part of his family now and he understands them. He makes his business to know the size of the clothing. Um, so I mentioned the word family and I say that to children. If you notice the word family's there a lot because he he's making them believe he cares about them. He's actually, they've got his trust. Mm-hmm. They, they trust him. So that's why they've gone back to his flat. But for the purposes of the story, you only see that once. So we want to make, you know, I say we want to make you aware of that this can happen. So if someone's offering you new trainers, watches, phones, whatever, um, and saying that they care. And I say to them, did Steve care about, did Steve care about them? And they all say no. So they're understanding what that means. Uh, so kind of he's mm-hmm. grooming them. And so that that's how that starts. And then they go back to his flat because he asks if they have any weed. They say no. Um, Luke, one of the characters says, what's weed? He doesn't know what it is. He's age 10. <clears throat> I do explain to children about weed and about the dangers of uh, the cannabis edibles, the cannabis sweets as well, because in one of the schools, an eight-year-old boy was approached in the park to, to buy these sweets. And the cannabis edibles, they, the branding, they replicate of, say, Skittles or Haribo's or something so that people don't know what they're selling. Um, so I warn them about, about those as well. Um, and then I talk about the effects of drugs. I say to them, what do you think the effects had on their brain when they've gone into the, the flat and they're smoking the weed? I said, do you think they're more vulnerable now? What's happening to the brain? So then they start to think about it. Um, and I say, do you think they're in control when they've been smoking this, this weed? Um, I explain what can, most of them seem to know what cannabis is and, and weed, but then I do explain it again about it being a legal mm. drug. Mm. Um, and so I get them talking about that, the effects of drugs and the harmful effects that drugs can have. Um, and then explain that you know the terminology county lines so what happens after that is they smoke the weed then they agree to take drugs packages of cocaine to different areas so whichever area i'm into say i'm in settle i say right okay so you've agreed to take these drugs from settle to leeds and to manchester on the train county lines and then and and they're all good and i say now what i say what else did steve offer them he offers them a phone line and I said, you know, so we talk about the, the phone line. I said, you know, you can't dial out on this line. Uh, this is for getting information only. Um, and so, so I explain about that. Also, I explain, I know that British Transport Police are doing an amazing job at the moment. Um, they have undercover police officers and they don't have, have dogs on there. So like I say to the children, you know, obviously they go, they um, target vulnerable people and young children because they think nobody's going to suspect them so you've got two of the characters who are on a train um then they also they use taxis as well so they're taken to properties uh in mm-hmm. you know by taxis and in one of the taxis there's an undercover police officer i wanted to make it an undercover police operation because i wanted to make sure that everybody gets arrested because guys like steve i say to the children don't get arrested i say and if you notice at the end so at the end, Steve's not in the cafe where the drugs are and the money is or supposed to be. He's out of the way. I say to them a lot of the time, the head of these gangs will stay out of the way and they don't get caught. I say, well, purpose- yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah. I say for the purposes of this story, they all get caught. I just want you to know that because I can't bear injustice. <laughs> <laughs> 
and all these things are, are, I mean, are really good. And of course, we're going to be putting up how to get a hold of the book, how to get a hold of the animation. Uh, you know, that that's going to be fine. That's going to be on the front page of this podcast. I mean, just for the sake of time, I, that was just as of a very quick gallop through it. I know, but just to give people an idea of this kind of interaction you have with the children. But you also get feedback afterwards, don't you, from all the schools? I mean, you must have been in dozens of schools by now. So you must get a lot of feedback from, from children and teachers and parents who've actually kind of thought about it afterwards. Yeah, I've been into to a lot of schools. I've actually lost count, hundreds of schools actually now. Mm. And I have to say that, that uh, the police, Humberside Police, North Yorkshire Police, Lancashire Police, they're all really dedicated to their work and um, it wasn't until I started to work with some of them that I realised, you know, how dedicated some of them are. So, you know, huge thank you to them for, the, for their support, because that really is important. Um, but yeah, so going back to feedback, teachers, so they'll put onto Twitter, onto social media saying this was a brilliant session because it's helping them as well. It's helping them to understand. And then it helps them to talk to talk to the children about it because we've been in talked about it. The children know about it. It opens those doors but when they take so yeah so the the impacts come from there also with them taking their comic strip story home it gets them talking to the parents about Mm. it parents carers or whoever they're living with getting it out in the communities so i have had messages via the youtube channel children from various schools saying hi it's uh sally it's it's brad from such a such a school um and one of them uh said that them they watched it with their mother and she was using it for her business and showing it to other people. And so that's, well, that's you know, good. That was a nice yeah, so I've not asked opinion. for that. That's just something Bonus. that they've done on their own back. But mm. I encourage them to watch it with their parents so the parents get to understand as well. They know that the more that everybody knows about what's happening, the, the better it is for everybody. Well, can let me uh, stop you at that point, just to sort of say, at this point, have you ever had any... Uh, challenges or negative feedback or, or or people saying we don't want this? I've had no negative feedback from, from the sessions. What I have had is um, in one area, the school didn't want us to go in because they didn't want to think that they were planting the seed for the mm-hmm. child for something mm-hmm. they didn't know about. I think that's more about the particular teacher because my answer to that would be, well, you can ignore it, but I would advise to, you know, educate because those are the children who are going to be more vulnerable. They're the children that are going to be targeted more. I think that we have a duty, a responsibility as adults to uh, educate children, to protect and look after themselves. Well, you're always um, going to get that. Though. You're always, that's an exception. Them. That was rather than the rule, isn't it? That was an yeah, exception. But- but that's one. But it, it, there will be some others who, who 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 have that view. But that that's up to them. That's their view, and they're entitled to that. But but my answer would be that you're better to, to try and educate. Um, we've been delivering these to year five and six upwards, and it's you know it's really important. It can't be ignored, and it's it's a bit like you know with the with the shares and secrets, encouraging children mm. to speak out. A number of schools who don't want me to talk about that. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. <laughs> well, look, yeah. we've got about 10 minutes left, all right, to talk on, on the podcast. And, and I just wanted to be clear that people understood that almost universally what you're doing has been welcomed. It's absolutely endorsed 
by the police uh, and supported. In fact, it was encouraged, the whole thing was encouraged by them in the first place. You've been involved in the past in other various other sort of um, things that you've written to do with educating children and to do with safeguarding. I mean, I, I presume you're just going to carry this on now for quite some time and, and other ideas are springing up and other people are suggesting things to you. Is that, is that fair? Uh, yes. I mean, I, as I say, all my stories have an educational element. I find it difficult to write without that. But I actually love doing the research. I love trying to, I mean, this is the most rewarding work that I've ever done. I actually mm -hmm. really enjoy it because I feel like I can try and help to make a difference. Um, so I'm very open to, if somebody says to me, could you, do you think you could write something that could help educate on, you know, X, Y, Z? I mean, there's a lot around women and girls. And I think, um, that's that's a big topic that needs to be addressed from a young age if we're to try and make a change and make it and, and have an impact mm. so I, I would like to look at something to do with that I have got some ideas but also I was speaking to um, one of the sergeants at, at North Yorkshire Police who, who perhaps want me to write something because um, I'm actually writing a novel trapped in county lines that's that's aimed at 18 upwards but mm -hmm. it's going to be some time before that's ready because it, it requires a lot of time to sit and write sit and, and do more writing on I that can, I can but, yeah. but, but with that in mind is is perhaps putting something together for um teenagers um older teenagers you know, for, for secondary age the older ones uh called, called trapped in county lines um for that age group in a comic strip style and, and perhaps an animation style as well to help deliver those sessions because children become trapped in these county lines mm -hmm. and they don't realise what they're getting into. They're just hugely well, exploited. When you've done that, we'll obviously publicise it. But let, let me ask you just one or two more kind of um, general questions if I could, because I, I think it's hugely important. What about the cultural issues involved I mean, because I, I know myself from working up in that part of the world, especially, that there's a, a huge variety of, um, of cultural backgrounds involved in communities. I mean, with maybe 100 languages spoken in certain cities up in the northeast. I mean, do you have any difficulties in terms of actually kind of um, talking to different communities or do you find it's a bit of a universal message that you're giving across? It's, it's a universal message. It's happening in all communities. Um, so that that isn't to be a barrier. I don't see that as a barrier. Um, it's happening in all communities and we need to get the message across to out, out to all of the communities as well. Mm. Mm. Yes, and that obviously, because I remember working with the police myself up in that part of the world, you know, there was always this, um, the background noise, if you like, that perhaps we were missing some things because of the difference in, in um, the structure of different communities. But if that's not coming your way, then let's not. No, well, I think the beauty is of going into schools is that you've got more of a captive audience. So you could have a community event, but you're not going to get the right kind of families coming to that community mm. event. Mm. So the best way to get to children and our communities is through the schools because the children have to go to school. And so you're getting to every child. So every child's being exposed to it. So I don't think that is a barrier to, to my mind. I mean, when I did this, um, when I wrote the story, I had lots of events organised, but then the pandemic hit. 
So I actually launched the animation online and I uh, had different police forces reaching out, Thames Valley, mm-hmm. uh, a guy called Russ Massey and P- PC Crawshaw from Warwickshire Police and, 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 and so many to mention. They thought it was a brilliant way of trying to uh, and educate children and get the message across. Mm-hmm. And so they've been, they've been huge supporters of it. Um, and that's in all the different areas. Um, and yeah, so I think that, yeah, it, it needn't be a barrier. It is happening in, in all communities, and um, we need to we need to get the message out. But I, I I don't see that as a barrier. Well, let's finish up a bit by talking about impact. Um, I, I did ask you when we were talking you know, um, before about how you measure change, and I suspect the police are often they're very kind of concerned with the kind of that way of actually analysing things as well, because I mean obviously they want to know that the work that they're doing um, has an impact and is, is making a difference. Um, but it's a very, very difficult area because firstly, you don't know how many children are involved to start with. And secondly, you don't necessarily have an up-to-date running order about how many children have been interrupted in, in being part of this. So what sort of conversations have you had about the impact of what's going on? Okay, so I know I spoke briefly about the impact trying to measure it as we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to, to, to measure and make change, you've got to start somewhere. So we start with the sessions. So a way of trying to measure uh, or trying to make a change is, is by starting off the sessions in the first place. But also what some of Pumbaside police did is they've, I furnished them with some certificates that they've taken in a few months after into those schools that I've visited to find out um, what, mm. uh, you know, if, if, yeah. it, if yeah. the children were still readily, still fresh in their minds to talk about it and how that kind of impacted them. And that's been really positive. Um, as I was sent a message by one of the, the sergeants at Clare who said that it, this really has made a difference. So we're helping, to, we're helping to make a change. Change is sometimes very difficult to measure, um, but you've you've got to start somewhere, and any slight change you can make in that in a, in a positive way has got to be good. So that's as well as measuring the impact in the actual session, you're actually you're informing, you're educating. So we're educating the teachers as well as the children, and in turn, we're educating parents. So you are making a change. You, you're making it, you know, maybe a slow change, but it, it's something. Um, so it's a way of measuring that impact and just coming back to, you know, the, uh, the feedback that I've had from, from various schools and from the children, from them re- reciting the, the, the poetry. Some people may laugh at it, but actually, no, you know, the power of storytelling can have huge impact and can help a child to understand better. And it's, a, it's an easier way of getting a message across. So it's just really important. So, yeah, so... I think that mm. we are making a change. Um, yeah. I feel I, No, I'm, I'm sure I think you are. And I think you're part of what I would call the kind of the safeguarding jigsaw. Um, you know, where lots of people have parts to play and the educational side of it that you're hugely contributing to is a very, very strong part of um, how we can hope to actually safeguard children for the future. Christina, we're going to have to wrap it up now, but I mean, 
this is not going to be the last time we talk. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I want people to, to realise just how much you've done and what work is going on and what they, where they can see it. And, and presumably through the various kind of links we give them on the front page of the podcast, how they could get in touch with you if they've been inspired by listening to what you've had to say. So for today, thank you very much indeed and more power to you in doing what thank you're you. doing. Thank you for your time.